welcome you. Um, so you know what Connection is all about. We here are about seeing students from all different areas of campus come together and build Christian friendships. Um, also be able to explore faith if you're not a believer. And so I just love seeing people who haven't met before build friendships. And that's why we do that five-minute time of greeting. It's kind of like a Sunday morning gone wild, you know. <laughs> Go get it. But uh, you guys have really taken ownership of that. And we totally, we just love to see people get to know each other. That's why we do a dinner after the service, too, so you can hang out and find out more than, uh, you know, where you're from and what your um, major is and all that super important stuff. And so uh, stick around. We've got meatball subs tonight, and the, this is going to sound not that exciting, but give it a chance. The best green beans you've ever had. <laughs> and that's because they have massive amounts of butter and brown sugar. Um, but they're still super healthy because they're green beans. Um, if you get on our email list, it's over there on this welcome center. You can sign up uh, for that. Find out what's going on here at the church. Uh, we have our small groups kicking off and also our men's ministry next Wednesday and women's groups starting up here at the church too. If you want to get plugged in, you can sign up over there. Um, also, we have our spring break mission trip. Boom, look at that warm and sunny place where you can serve God and have a great time. Uh, that was a selling point for the trip. Um, we take a team to a place called Mission Emmanuel in the Dominican Republic. And Mission Emmanuel has chosen to go uh, what they call an inch wide and a mile deep. They focused on one neighborhood in the city of Santo Domingo and they do water purification there. They've seen waterborne illness go down 70%. Uh, they have schools they uh, started there. They have churches they've planted. It's really cool to see their holistic approach to ministry. And so we sent a college team there two years ago and a high school group there this past summer. And we're taking a team back in spring break. If you want to go, we want to have you. And so. The deadline for the trip is the 31st, and I would love to chat with you as soon as possible, and then we can get that squared away. If money is the only thing holding you back, we'll find a way for you to go, so don't let that stop you. Um, also, uh, man, it's super exciting how this is... <laughs> Isn't it awesome how you get a three-day weekend, your first weekend back from break? Like, that is the best thing ever. That should be the way every semester works. Um, tonight... I don't know why I put your address up there so early. <laughs> Back in the picture. <laughs> Andrea, why is your address on the screen? Go ahead and stand up and tell people what's up. Well, we're having a movie night tonight around like 8 or 8.15, just whenever we get over there. And we're watching Inside Out, so don't prepare to cry. <laughs> I scanned the crowd for creepy individuals, and I don't think we have any, so I felt safe to put up your... Your address. But I am going to transfer back. <laughs> so, Andrea texted me your address so I could display it for you. I wouldn't just put somebody's address up there. <laughs> that would not be cool. Um, so, that's all we've got. And uh, also, I want to recognize we have some. We like to see students not only connect with other believers from campus, but with people here at our church. Connection. Man, so many connections. We love to connect you with each other and with people from our church. My ministry team members, can you guys raise your hands? These guys are awesome. Um, they are they are what we all aspire to become in our faith as mature followers of Christ. So get to know them. They're really great people. And they are here because they want to get to know you and pour into you. So sermon time. Enough of these announcements. Uh, tonight we are starting a new sermon series. <laughs> 
starting a new sermon series on the kingdom of God. I'm really excited about this. We're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount and also looking at some parables, uh, Christ teaching stories, talking about what it means that the kingdom of God has invaded earth, uh, God among us through the birth of Christ and his ministry here. And so I'm really looking forward to this, but I want to start off with a story. I heard about a guy this summer whose name is Dan Kish. He's about 50 years old and he lives in California. Uh, Dan Kish, he is... He is blind. Daniel Kish was not born blind. However, he was born with a form of cancer called retinal blastoma. And by the time he was 13 months old, he had to have both of his eyeballs removed. And he has no memory of ever seeing anything. However, if you were to meet Daniel Kish, you, like some other people, may be tempted to think, is this guy just playing a practical joke? Is he just playing a practical joke? Because the things that this guy is doing are absolutely insane. Some of them are huge accomplishments for sighted people, let alone people who are blind. Daniel Kish will ride a mountain bike down busy city streets with traffic. He'll ride a mountain bike on trails. Um, I'm afraid to take my road bike off of my indoor trainer. <laughs> Especially in the winter. But that's because I'm a wimp when it comes to the cold. Daniel Kish, is a, he's a good cook. He's actually a good cook. Um, how can someone who's blind do all these things? That's a question a lot of people want to know. So the way Daniel Kish has trained himself to get around is since he's been an infant, he's actually adapted. He does this thing where he makes a loud clicking sound. He makes a loud click, and the sound waves bounce off of the objects around him, and as they return to him, he can judge by the echoes the space around him. He can walk up to a tree, he could walk up to this music stand right here and say, this music stand is this tall, this wide. It's absolutely crazy. You've got to look this guy up on YouTube. I found a lot of videos, but they were all too long to show you. And so that's your homework assignment. Dan Kish, check this guy out. It's incredible. But he calls this flash sonar. Flash sonar is his method for navigating the world around him. But scientifically, people call this echolocation. You've probably heard of echolocation. That's the way that bats get around at night. They can make these little sounds that go out and tell them where their prey is at or keep them from smashing into windows and buildings. And, uh, that's what dolphins use, too, to navigate in dark and murky waters. Pretty cool. But Daniel Kish is a pioneer for empowering the blind. He has made it his life's mission to train blind people to be able to function and contribute in society because it's his belief that blind people have often been limited in a way that is just not necessary. There are tools that they can be trained to use to be able to adapt. And it's really incredible. It's really incredible. He started this organization called World Access for the Blind. And so what he does is he trains adults and really mostly children to be able to learn this skill so that they can get around and one day be able to live independently. But I have to tell you, Daniel Kish has encountered a lot of flack because there are a lot of people who say, you know what, Daniel, your heart's in the right place, but you are taking this too far. It must be pretty unsettling when you're a parent of a blind child and Daniel Kish is walking them across the sidewalk into the grass median, standing about three feet from traffic on a highway. He's training these kids how to judge what's safe and what's not safe. And these parents, some of them some of them run over and grab their kid and pull them back. And he's like, no, that's too far. You can't do this. Anytime you do something like that, you're limiting your child and making them fearful instead of empowering them. And so Daniel Kish has encountered a lot of flack. And you know why? It's because he is telling these parents that your perception of what is true about your child's capability is wrong. It's not in line with reality. Your child is capable of so much more than you've told them that you've trained them 
that they're able to do. And so Daniel Kish, he's a paradigm shifter. He doesn't accept that reality because he knows that they're capable of so much more. And in this Kingdom of God series, I want to talk about how the Kingdom of God brought an absolute paradigm shift for people who are religious in Jesus' day and how they thought about relationship with God and what they thought about how someone could be right with God, what it meant to be justified. It was a game changer. Jesus Christ's teachings were completely new for these people. And so I want to dig into some of his teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, some of these parables, because today they can be a real paradigm changer for us because there are people who believe that right relationship with God is based on me and my actions. It's about me being a good guy, me being consistent, me being a moral person. There are other people who say, you know what, that kingdom of God stuff, that's great for church, but what my life about, what my life is about is finding fulfillment in the things of this world. And God is great, but I'm the one who's got to live my life, and I'm going to find life wherever I can. And so, go big or go home, let's see what this world has to offer. And Jesus offers us an entirely different story. In Christ's incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, God entered into human time and space. The world has never been the same. Reality has changed. We're in a completely new reality. That's the title of my sermon here tonight. And so we're going to be in the Beatitudes for the most part, but I want to give you a little bit of a background on this. You may remember the story of Jesus' ministry. He was baptized, then he went off into the wilderness and he was tempted. But when he came back into the region of Galilee, where he was from, he said this. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so Jesus' ministry began with this announcement of the coming kingdom of God. And he reiterates this in Luke chapter 4 as well. He says, he's kind of stating his mission to some people who he performed some miracles on their behalf, some miracles of healing and restoration. And they're like, oh my gosh, like Jesus, you've got to stay with us forever. And Jesus basically says, I love you guys, but I can't just camp out here and care for you only because God's given me a mission. And here's what Jesus told them his mission was. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That's why I was sent, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus' life and ministry was about, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and how that changes reality for all those who would trust him in faith. And so he said the good news. That's, that's a phrase that we hear a lot in church, but we kind of read past it a lot, don't we? We're like, the good news, yep, I know what that means. And I think it's important that we recognize here that the fact that this was good news means it was news. This was something new that people needed to hear about because it was something that would change the way that they lived. The good news was a paradigm shifter. And so Jesus' teaching here, it was absolutely revolutionary what he had to say on the kingdom of God. Jesus' teaching brought a paradigm shift because it took people's focus off the things of this world and showed them how much God is involved in every single square inch of life. Faith in Jesus Christ, right relationship with God, through faith in him, changes everything about the way that we live our lives. And so, um, the coming of the kingdom, what does that mean for us in the way that we live today? The way that Jesus answered that question was really interesting. He answered that question with a lot of stories and with a lot of illustrations, the parables, with comparisons of the kingdom of God to things of this world. He used a lot of wordplay and talked about the kingdom in ways that sometimes people would be confused because the deep level of imagery. Uh, the parables, they just give us some amazing stories about what it looks like when God steps into real time and space. 
into the circumstances of our lives. And so, uh, tonight I want to spend some time in the Beatitudes. Let's read this together. The Beatitudes are in Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think the Sermon on the Mount is one of the teachings of the Christian faith that focuses on the kingdom of God more than any other. The Sermon on the Mount, one of, uh, I always wonder why they called it the Sermon on the Mount, not the Sermon on the Mountain. Was it like a really tiny mount or a mountain? Big questions of our faith, guys. Uh, ponder that. So the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching to a crowd. He's down below. These people are lined up on the hillside. And he gives them all these uh, paradigms on what life of faith looks like. And he starts out with these statements called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes represent this new reality that entered into existence in the life of Christ and in his ministry. And so let's read them here together. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so... As we start this series on the kingdom of God, what better introduction for us than to look at the Beatitudes? In this section of teaching, we read all these statements and we're like, oh my gosh, Like, how can those things be true? You pretty much took things that make sense based on our own worldly understanding and flipped them on their head. It's like Jesus is saying, up is the new down, or first is the new last, or whoever is greatest among you will be servants. Um, except those last two things are things that he actually did say. Um, but I want to highlight three phrases here in the Beatitudes that I think I would, I would really like these to set the tone for the heart attitude that we go into this semester with and the way that we think about the kingdom of God over these next few weeks of our teaching series because Jesus has some really profound things to say in these. The first statement I want to focus on here is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So those who don't know they have it all together spiritually, those are the ones who are blessed. Doesn't that sound like a crazy thing? Like, whatever happened to blessed are the good guys? What ever happened to blessed are the people who try really hard? The people who brush themselves up and come to church always wearing their really nice clothes. And they could honestly say, man... I once got mad at somebody when I was driving, and I immediately prayed for forgiveness. And I said, crap in my car, and, you know, I knew it was wrong. Um, why, why not blessed are those people? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the guys who don't go with girls who smoke and chew, or whatever that old cliche phrase is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because the poor in spirit, those who know they don't have what it takes, are those people who are going to come to God and acknowledge their need for His grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because those are the people who will know that they don't have what it takes. 
They don't have what it takes. There's so many times where I feel like, God, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing everything I can. I hope that's good enough for you. But the reality is, it was not, my faith in Christ never had anything to do with what I could do could do to get myself to God. It was always about His grace. That is the basis of our relationship with God. And so Jesus says, if you want to know what life in the kingdom of God is like, then you need to know this first. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who don't know, those who know they don't have what it takes, because those are the ones who will come to me with their need, with the humility that it takes to be able to accept my grace, to be able to accept my forgiveness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because how can we accept God's compassion if we don't know that we need it? If we don't know that we need grace, how are we going to be able to accept it? How are we going to be able to enjoy it? You know what? Some of the times that I've been able to understand God's grace in the most powerful ways in my life have been the moments where I've been most devastated by my sin because I did something really stupid or said something really stupid, which only happens like two or three times a day. Um, So think about that. It can be a really hard thing to admit that we are sinners in need of grace, that we make mistakes, but that's where all of us are at. And if you can humble yourself and admit that you are absolutely in need of grace, God will meet you with blessing, because blessed are the poor in spirit. Totally lost where I'm at in my notes, but I'm going to find it, guys. The next one I want to focus on is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So what he's saying here is, Blessed who are those who are unsettled by what they don't have. Blessed are those who are unsettled with what they don't have. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so have you ever had that feeling like, Man, I just need more. I feel like I need more. Guys, this is one of my biggest struggles. I totally struggle with contentment. I have this problem where in the present, I can always be looking towards the future and saying, man, when things are like this, like how I want them to be in my mind, when I imagine my ideal future, then I will be at peace. Then I can rest, then I can enjoy my life. But now, man, there's some things that gotta change and I better get things together and then I can be happy someday. And I think that's a real issue. (laughs) I think that oftentimes that's more representative of the sin in my heart than a hunger and thirst for righteousness. But what Jesus is teaching in this passage is that there is actually an appropriate sense of yearning for more inside of each and every one of us. There's a hunger and a thirst inside of us that is meant to serve as a beacon to to direct us to God, the one place where true life and true hope is found. You have that desire. Do you have that hunger and thirst? Do you feel like what you have, there's something more that you need? There's a hunger inside of each of us that can only be filled by the one true God. I love the way that Jesus said it. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so, bring your hunger to him. Bring your thirst to him for righteousness, and he will fill you up. What is righteousness about? It's about right relationship with God, and that is given through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ's righteousness given to us. His record swapped for ours is our standard. That is our basis of righteousness with God. And so righteousness that we're given by faith is going to be made manifest in our actions. So righteousness is something that we are given, but it's also something that we are able to do as God's spirit inside of us empowers us to live lives of holiness, to live lives of love and compassion because God has met us with righteousness. 
solely by His grace. So we can give because we've been given to ourselves. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so Jesus says, don't push that hunger and thirst aside. Don't ignore yourself by being satisfied with lesser things, by distracting yourself with the things of this world. Seek that out. Follow that yearning and look for life. Look for hope in the one place where it can be found, in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And last, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I've said it here before, but I think that one of the biggest setbacks for people in growing in their faith in Christ is the idea of having a spiritual life. A spiritual life. That's something that I pursue outside of the other areas of my life. You know what? God is great when I'm doing my devotions. He's great when I'm doing my prayers. But when I go to class, when I go to work, this is my job. I've got to take care of business. I've got to make these relationships work. And my friends are crazy. And so if I'm not being a Christian in my character all the time, that's okay. Because I did my devotions this morning. And I can go to bed knowing that as long as I check that box tomorrow, things are going to be alright. That is not the truth of Scripture. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What Christ is talking about is blessed are those who have an undivided life, those who give their entire hearts over to God, people who follow Him with their whole selves. Do you find yourself divided? Do you find yourself divided in your affections? Are you loving God, but are there things of this world that have crept in and are entangling your heart and asking you to give to them more than they deserve? Are you looking for satisfaction? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for joy? and things of this world that will never fully satisfy you. What Jesus says here is, blessed are those who give them whole selves, their whole selves to God, those who live an undivided life. They're the ones who will experience God's blessing. Because Jesus is the only one worthy of our heart's devotion. And one thing that Christ was really clear about in his teaching is that going through the motions and mechanical obedience to the law, uh, or even head knowledge, having all the scriptures memorized, those things weren't what Christ required. What Christ was about was a transformed heart. He wasn't about people just being able to recite scripture memory passages. He wasn't about people getting their X's and O's right and making sure they had all the ceremonial law. Uh, some of Jesus' biggest enemies were the Pharisees, the people who thought that right relationship with God was all about obedience to the ceremonies of the Jewish faith, what he came to share was that relationship with God is about a repentant heart. It's about faith in God, acceptance of His mercy and grace, and living lives of love because of His love for us. And so what I want to say to you is that Jesus wants your heart. He wants your affections, and your behavior and your devotion is going to flow from that. And so pursuing our life of faith in Christ is about surrendering our hearts to Him. It's about allowing Him to have control over our lives. And that is really hard. That's really hard. Man, wouldn't it be easy if faith was just about showing up on Sunday morning and getting credit? Um, wouldn't it be really easy if faith was just about checking those boxes? It would be easy, but it would be meaningless because there would be no relationship with God. There would be no knowledge of that struggle that it is to live lives of faith. But without that, we don't get to know the fullness of God's provision for us in Christ. So trust him to be enough for you in the midst of your circumstances, those areas where you want to hold on to control. What are those things? Your plans for your future, your dreams for your career, your desires for relationships. 
with your friends, your family, or a future spouse? What are those things that you're holding on to and you're saying, God, you're great, and I'm going to read my Bible tomorrow morning, but man, I've got to make this happen. God wants all of it. He wants all of it. He's the God of all of your life. God is a great God. He is good. He is wise. He's fully in control. But God is a terrible sidekick. He's a terrible sidekick. If you just want to have a superhero of your own creation to be your easy button whenever things are really difficult for you, God isn't going to disappoint you because he doesn't want to just be your sidekick. He wants to be the God of your whole life. So will you trust him? Will you surrender control? Man, the kingdom of God is a beautiful thing. And so those three keys that we covered here tonight, those are essentials of our Christian faith, right? Humble dependence on God's grace. Righteousness by faith in Christ. And lives of devotion and obedience because of transformed hearts by faith in Christ. Man, those are essentials to our faith, but those are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to understanding what life in the kingdom of God is all about. And so I'm really looking forward to these next few weeks and talking about that more with you guys. All right, band, why don't you guys come forward? They're going to close us in a song, and I want to pray for us, but as I do that, I'm going to take a little pause, and I want to give you an opportunity to just uh, quiet your heart and come before God and reflect on how he's working in your life right now, in your circumstances, in your relationships, in your thoughts about the future, uh, in the challenges that are going on in your life right now, the things that um, are weighing on your heart, the things that you're excited about, the things that you're frustrated about. Take a minute and bring those to him. Um, surrender control to him. He's good. He loves you. And uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... Um, in the midst of our lives, we have hope because we know that you entered into human existence. In Jesus Christ, God with us, uh, the story of the world is forever changed. God, we thank you that um, you also have came into each of our stories personally. And that by your grace, you revealed yourself to us and you want to have a relationship with us. And so we pray that you would humble us that we would admit that we are broken people in need of your grace, that we are people whose only hope is that you would make us new, that you would give us new hearts, that you would give us new life. But God, we're also people who have joy and people of hope and peace despite our circumstances because we know the fullness of your provision. If you have given us grace and new life in Christ, if you went as far as to die on the cross for that to happen, man, how confident can we be that you will provide over every single area of our lives? God, you are good. You are powerful. Give us faith to trust you. We pray now, God, that in the areas where we're really struggling, that you would just meet us in this moment, that you would give us hope, that you would give us, um, that you would give us faith to just surrender those things to you, and so we bring those to you now. through your spirit that lives inside of us by faith in Christ 
is with us no matter what we go through. And so transform us to be more like you, that we might leave this place and be ambassadors of the good news, that we might be agents of change, agents of love to this world. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.